Why are we baptized first before we partake of the Lord's table? Is the Lord's table mentioned anywhere in scripture after 1 Corinthians? And what's the difference between preterism and partial preterism? The answers when we understand the text. When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in God's Word, for He has exalted above all things His name and His Word. Psalm 138.2. Tell all your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Hey, once again, it's Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Psalm 3 is where we are this week. Yeah. As we continue our progression through opening the Friday episode with a psalm. O Yahweh, how many are my foes, many are rising against me, many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to Yahweh, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept, I woke again, for Yahweh sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Yahweh, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to Yahweh. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Hmm. There were a couple of other Selahs in there too. I skipped I'm them. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there, I, I remember that psalm specifically when I was in my mid-20s. I had a friend named Elise who listened to me on the radio every day because she worked in a, a Christian bookstore. And so my shift was on during her shift at the Christian bookstore. Okay. And there was one time where I mentioned something about not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I mentioned that. It, was, it had something to do with the song that I was playing. Sure. And I just mentioned, you know... I, been struggling sleeping lately, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. She emailed me that verse. Psalm 3, verse 6. I lay down and slept. I woke again for Yahweh sustained me. Hmm. I'll always remember that and how peaceful that was. Because though I had read that before, I, right. it was just something about that moment. It was like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, that's what we're supposed to do as a church is to remind one another. Yeah, right. So, I mean, that's one of the things that we're, we're called to do. So it's, it, we constantly need reminders and the Bible says that too. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll have a just couple a times. Just placed verse is just amazing. Oh, I, I know it. it. Yeah. I mean, as much as we try to say, especially through when we understand the text, don't take verses out of context and beware sure. making them little platitudes. <laughs> right. But sometimes it's just well, you simple. you don't need to make it a platitude. Yeah. Just enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. Just be reminded of a, of a simple thing. Yes. That God takes care of you so you can sleep. Right. <laughs> I'll have... Sleep uh, without worry. I'll have those bouts a couple of times a year where I'm just not sleeping well. Yeah. But you have that reminder mm-hmm. that I can, I can be at peace mm-hmm. because God is sustaining me. No matter what is going on in the world, no matter what people are saying about me, mm-hmm. I lie down in peace and sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'll not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's a good time to be thankful because of, oh, of course. the holiday that That's we right. just celebrated in America <laughs> um, about Thanksgiving Day. And so I, you know, I always try to be grateful for everything throughout my day. But um, the one thing that I don't remember how long ago it was. It had to been in our early marriage that somebody had said maybe on a social media or maybe it was to me personally, but it was like, what, what would you wake up with tomorrow if you only woke up with the things you were grateful for Hmm. or thankful for? Right. So what if you lost everything that you complained about? Yeah. (laughs) And you only woke up with what you're thankful for. That's right. What you gave thanks to God for. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Because, I mean, there are things I'm th- I, I should be thankful for. I complain about a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that just kind of helps me throughout my day of not taking things for granted and not being grumpy all day long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I still 
still have my bouts, but it helps me to have a, a happy heart, if you will, and a thankful heart. Yes. So. Well, on that note of encouragement, yeah. so I have this first email here. By the way, this being the Friday episode, we take questions from the listeners. And you can submit those questions to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. This is from Alan. He says, Dear Gabe and Becky, I don't know why this has gotten past me, but I never noticed that you sometimes do outtakes at the end of your Friday episode. <laughs> I got to be honest, I would stop listening in the closing prayer and I would just skip to my next podcast. Lo and behold, this past Friday, I'm listening to your episode about basketball shoes and I just... <laughs> And I just left it playing at the end, and you had this outtake with a toilet flushing. <laughs> and I didn't understand what was going on, and once it dawned on me what I was listening to, I cannot tell you how hard I laughed. <laughs> Harder than any podcast I have ever listened to, and now I'm going back to older... <laughs> Now I'm going back to older Friday episodes to listen to the outtakes I missed. Oh, some of them are a doozy. <laughs> yeah, so what what you caught last week was us discovering that we can hear toilets flushing in this room, and we did not know that. Only on a certain side of the house. All, yeah, all, it's only a certain bathroom. because Two, two bathrooms. Two bathrooms yeah. Because you went oh. to you went to uh, our bathroom, the master bath, right? And we didn't hear anything. Nothing, nothing. We don't hear the washing machine and dryer, which is also on that side. Also on that side. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah. So, so everything on the front of the house we hear. Yeah, <laughs> which does include two restrooms. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the one is right next door to this room. Yes. So it makes sense why you would hear that one. Sure. But I didn't realize the kids' bathroom yeah. was so prominent in here. <laughs> it's, it's like they were next door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the, the title of last week's episode, Potty Humor, had a double meaning. <laughs> because I played the clip from Robert Tilton. You know, the uh, farting preacher. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> Thanks and for then, the reminder. And then it was it was also a teaser of the fact that, uh, yeah, there was an outtake in there that had a yep. had something in it. <laughs> that was a first. I don't think we've had that happen. <laughs> no. eight, eight years of doing this. Yeah. That was the first time you heard a toilet flush on When yeah. We Understand the Text. Yep. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> and it was in the outtakes. <laughs> Alan goes on. Okay. <laughs> He said, anyway, that's all. Keep up the great work. Thank you for not only the great teaching, but also sharing a little bit of your lives with us, even the embarrassing parts. <laughs> <laughs> My cheeks hurt. <laughs> I did not uh, tell Becky that email was in here. So I, nope. <laughs> I, you're hearing genuine laughter here. I just sprung that one on her. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got, uh, I did, I did uh, give her the other emails that we're going to be yes. talking about here. We've got a question about the Lord's Supper. Why do we baptize first? Why as Christians are we baptized first? And you have to be baptized before you can partake of the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. Then there's another one that goes back to the series that I did on cessationism, mm -hmm. a question about that series. And then the last question has to do with preterism. Right. You know what preterism is? Nope. Nope. Okay. So we'll talk remember. about that. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard the name. The We've term. talked about it before. Yeah. It came up in the Sunday school class. Yep. I know. I could hear it today too and the definition and still not remember. Yeah. Not remember. It just it doesn't, it doesn't sink in. It's not, it, it's certainly not, for you, it's not like a, a pet doctrine. Right. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> this has to do with eschatology. It has to do with end times. Okay. Before we get to these three questions here, I just did a new video on, uh, well, this guy on YouTube who says that he's proven that Justin Peters is a false teacher full of nonsense. What? So let me play that video. There was a question that was asked in the comments section on that video, and I want to read that question and, and kind of respond to it because I did... Uh, do what this person asked for or requested anyway. Okay. So here we go. Let me play the video and then uh, and then I'll read the question. Okay. Oh, 
What? An accuser of the brethren who goes by Brian claims he has proof our dear brother Justin Peters is a false teacher full of nonsense. In this video, we're going to hear from Justin Peters in a brief clip describe what he thinks is absolute proof that cessationism is true. Let's hear what he has to say. If all of the sign gifts were still operative in the church today, there would be no debate about it. There would be no debate about it. Uh, the very fact that there is a debate as to whether or not these signed gifts continue is inherent proof that they haven't. See, what he just basically said there was that the fact that there are people who disagree with me, that's proof in itself that I'm right. That's what Justin Peters just said. No, the point Justin made is very simple. If continuationism is true and the miraculous sign gifts for divine revelation are still regularly at work in the church today, then proving it should be really easy. You could end the debate by pointing to a genuine miracle like those seen in the book of Acts. Show one healing where a man lame from birth immediately received new legs and walked. Show one person who has raised the dead. Show one group of people miraculously speaking other languages they did not previously know. Show one modern prophet with a 100% track record of making miraculous predictions and they came true. It should be easy to produce these proofs, but you can't, because the need for apostolic sign gifts has ceased. Instead, they debate about the continuation of miracles, which proves they don't have the proof. That was Justin's point whom Brian slandered, calling him a false teacher. As 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal when we understand the text. All right, so there's the video, mm -hmm. which I had uploaded. It was after midnight on Wednesday, so technically it was a... It was a Thanksgiving Day posting. Sure. <laughs> and I wasn't going to bother Justin with it. I figured, you know, he's with family, holidays. Yeah. But he saw it, texted me, and said he appreciated the video. Aw. My pleasure, Justin. Always, <coughs> always great to team up together in ministry. There was a guy in the comment section that asked this question. Right after I uploaded it, I was sitting there at my computer for a little while. So for about the first five or ten minutes, I read like the first five or six comments that came in. Mm-hmm. And this fellow had asked this question. His name is Jack. And he said, have you read Craig Keener's two-volume work documenting modern miracles such as these listed? So remember, the qualification that I gave in that video was, can you point to miracles happening exactly like you see them in the book of Acts? Because the cessationist argument is going to be, that which we saw regularly happening in the early church is not happening with that kind of regularity today. Right. And we're talking the genuine miracles that you see in Acts, not stuff like, you know, people coming forward at those healings and saying, well, I've had some back problems and, well, let me pray for your back in I've Jesus' blood name. Blood pressure problems. Yeah, right. Blood pressure and, and things I, you can't see. I get dizzy spells, all the, yeah, all these things you can't see, but mm -hmm. you don't see something like, a man with lame legs who's been lame from birth mm -hmm. and Peter just touching him and he stands up and he walks around and everybody around this is done publicly. Yeah. And everybody around knows something miraculous has just taken place. Right. Because they knew him before. Exactly. And then they know him after. A man with lame legs suddenly has fresh new young legs. Mm -hmm. So look at those miracles in Acts. Where do you see that happening today? Yeah. Not the things people call miracles, but miracles that actually look like what the apostles did. Mm -hmm. So when I was told about Craig Keener's book, I remember hearing about this book. I remember hearing about the two volume book. Okay. Never read it because it's huge. And also Michael Brown is attached to it. Ah, okay. And Michael Brown, I he's just... He's not your fan. I don't... He's not my fan. That's the truth. And I, I don't really consider a lot of what he says regarding charismaticism trustworthy. Mm -hmm. But then I look Craig Keener up and I discovered that about a year or two ago, maybe it was, he did a smaller volume. So he did kind of an abridged version of that two-volume work. Oh, okay. And I thought, well, I can read that. So I pulled it up. And this was actually last night you were asleep. I'm laying next to you. <laughs> uh -huh. And I pulled up Craig Keener and, and read a little bit of this. But I wish I could have captured this in real time. Okay. Because I, I had a premonition, <laughs> not prophetic. <laughs> premonition. Yeah, right. I'm neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. But I just had in my mind, here's what I expect to read. 
Either I'm going to read about one of those miracles that you hear about in charismatic circles where they call it miraculous, but you can't really verify it as being miraculous. Right. It's either going to be that or he is going to present something that is genuinely miraculous, but a cessationist wouldn't disagree with. Okay. Now, I I would expect that he would put this at the beginning of the book, because if you're trying to capture a reader's attention into genuine verified miracles... You're going to put your best miracle first. Right. Give us the story that hooks your reader in so that they're actually they actually think they're going to read about genuine miracles in this book. Mm -hmm. Right. So he tells a story of two women named Barbara. And the first story is exactly what I thought I would I would get from charismatics. Okay, it was about a a woman named Barbara who's in a wheelchair and she was just lamenting over the fact that I wish I could walk. And so somebody walks up to her and says, Brenda, get up and walk in Jesus' name. And she gets up out of her wheelchair and walks with him and walks around the room holding on to him. Okay. And then from that point forward, she was walking with a walker. Okay. And so the the author, Keener, is saying that he personally witnessed this happen. Okay. So he believes that he personally witnessed a miracle. But I've seen that happen. Like, I've seen stuff exactly like that when I was in charismaticism for a decade. Yeah. It was, you know, somebody would say, I wish I could walk. And then they get up and walk, but not really. Yeah. She's still walking with a walker. Not with young legs. Right. Yeah. So was it just that she didn't want to walk or that could. she couldn't really walk? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> it, well, it could have been mental, too. I mean, exactly. Like right. Your mentality of, you know, I can't I just, do this. Yeah. Yeah. Or or it's it's just too much. You know, it's too painful. I'm too scared. You yeah. Know, all of that stuff. So sure. But that was not a story of a genuine miracle. <laughs> no. And so when I'm reading that, I'm going, you got to be kidding me. This is what this book is going to be full of. Yeah. But then he told this story about another Brenda. Uh, Barbara. Or Barbara. Right. Yes. Yes. Barbara. Now, I, now I'm now i like, did I get that right? The first one was it Brenda <laughs> or Barbara? Anyway, it was a B name. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and both one, both women shared the same name. Hence okay. why this is like the beginning of his his book. This was not one that he witnessed, but it was one that he was able to verify even through like doctor's testimonies. Mm -hmm. So there was a woman named Barbara who back in 1981. So this was over 40 years ago, Mm -hmm. but she had MS and had it so severely that she was basically in a fetal position and could not come out of uh, of that position. Her hands would be shriveled up to where like her hand was touching her wrist. Her feet would be shriveled up the same way. Yeah. She was on oxygen. Oh. And it was declared by the doctors wow. that she was not going to live. Oh, man. And in fact, at her last doctor's appointment, they said, we did not expect to see her alive again. Hmm. Well, she goes to a prayer meeting and they're praying for her. And she says, at least according to this account of the story, that she heard the voice of God say to her, my child, get up and walk. And so she tells the people with her at the prayer meeting God just told me to get up and walk. And so they kind of prepare things for her. Like, okay, get up and walk. And she does. And she's just fine. Wow. Like her limbs are restored. She has energy. She doesn't need the oxygen tank. It was instantaneous. Wow. And it appeared to be a genuine miracle. Well, I mean, if you have MS, it can go into remission. But I don't believe I've ever heard of anybody recovering that fast from being that severe. Yeah. Like it, you recover eventually, but I think it's a growth growing process. Like mm-hmm. you you have to build back up to that. So for her to be that off, that that bad off and then just wow, that's amazing. So this is 40 years later, according to the author, according to Keener, she's still alive. Oh, wow. And still doing fine. That's awesome. So it was uh, a genuine case of of a miraculous healing. Yeah. If if indeed all that true being verified and, and whatnot. Sure. But see, that story, a cessationist would not disagree with. Right. Because I, as a cessationist, do believe God miraculously heals. Amen. I go into hospitals and I pray for those patients that God would heal them. I don't go into the hospital going, well, sorry, miraculous gifts have ceased. Yeah. The cessationist argument is that there are not people who have been appointed with that power Hmm. to be able to go and heal the sick and raise the dead. Mm -hmm. That was an apostolic era sign or wonder. 
Hmm. It is not present today. Right. Now, James says in James chapter five, it says, if any of you is sick, go tell the elders. Right. So that the elders of your church may anoint you with oil, lay hands on you and pray. Right. Don't go find an apostle. Right. Don't go. Yeah. Don't go to a faith healer or something like that. (laughs) Right. And I've done that. So with my fellow elders have gone to those who are sick and we've laid hands on them and prayed for them. Mm hmm. We've absolutely now I've never seen anything that I would say has is been a genuine verified miracle. But that doesn't mean that I don't think God would do that. Right. It's just that he's not operating through like faith healers and things. So argument in my video remains undefeated. Mm-hmm. You have not witnessed a miracle on the level of what you see in the book of Acts, because right. that was a particular period where God was verifying his word through the apostles, through signs and wonders. And that's said even in Hebrews 2. Mm-hmm. And Paul says it in 2 Corinthians 12, 12, that the signs of a true apostle were clearly demonstrated among you with signs and wonders mm-hmm. and miracles. Right. So so that's what that uh, those miraculous signs during the time of the apostles were for, verifying that what was said was the word of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And you know it's God's word because you have these Here you go. miraculous signs that verify it. <laughs> yeah. That were supernatural and could not be naturally explained. Everybody knew when they saw it, a miracle right. had taken place. Some glorified God. Some denied that it came from God. Mm-hmm. But it, you could not deny that something has happened here that's beyond natural explanation. Right. So anyway, I wanted to give that response, uh, really the beginning of Craig Keener's book. I'll continue reading it, <laughs> but the beginning of that book was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was those miracles like I was used to seeing, miracles, quote unquote, right. that I saw yeah. in charismatic circles that they called miracles, but you couldn't verify that as anything supernatural. Right. And then the other one being something that may really have been supernatural, but a cessationist would not have said can't happen today, especially right. when you consider that Keener has to reach back 40 years for that story. Yeah. It was something that happened back in 1981. This wasn't, hey, let me tell you about something that happened last week, and I verified this through doctor's accounts and things like that. So True. Anyway, the Lord absolutely will heal, and oh, I, I pray for healing. I pray for healing for myself when I'm feeling, mm-hmm. you know, like I can't sleep, like I said earlier. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the miraculous sign gifts, not at work through particular individuals today. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Let's get to these other questions here. Once again, if you have a question for the broadcast, you can send it to when we understand the text at gmail.com. I've got another cessationist question coming up here in just a moment. But first, this one is from Daryl. We mentioned Daryl's last week. Okay. So coming back to this one. Hello, Pastor Gabe and Becky. First off, congratulations on your new position as head pastor at Providence Reformed Baptist Church. And I hope all is going well with the move. I saw a question posted on Facebook that I would love to have your input on. Hmm. Do you have to be baptized in order to partake in the Lord's Supper? My opinion is that it would be wise to be baptized first, but I don't know of any explicit commands in Scripture that say that you have to be. The comments were pretty mixed. I trust you as a sound teacher And I would truly value your insight. Thank you and have a blessed day. All right. Is there anything in scripture that explicitly tells us that we are to be baptized before we partake of the Lord's table? I don't know, (laughs) but I can say that we get baptized once and we have the Lord's Supper often. Often, right? Yeah. So I would assume just because of that, that it would be the the first step would be baptism. Of course. It's, it's like your proclamation that you're saved. Yes, exactly. Right. So this kind of like your grand to do or. Yeah, you know. it's your first act of obedience as a, as a believer. Right. The Lord says to be baptized. So you show yourself to having been baptized with Christ. That is Romans 6, 3 through 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yeah. So so kind of the first act of obedience, the first thing that you do to show I'm a follower of Jesus Mm -hmm. is that you're baptized. Right. Showing I've been buried with Christ in my sins. I've been raised with Christ to new life. And then only then is it okay that you take the Lord's Supper. Yes. 
because you're you are now a disciple and Jesus had the Lord's Supper with his disciples. Right. And told the disciples do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. Now, there are so so there are two ways that we can come to an answer to this question. OK. Number one, scripturally, which is where we should come to it first. Right. And then number two, traditionally, we oh, can okay. even look into church history and get some answers or some understanding from this as well. Sure. But primarily, we should be basing this on scripture. Because we want to do what... Because tradition can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We want to do this according to what God has said. What mm-hmm. has Christ commanded? Right. And really, though there is not an explicit command in Scripture that says you must be baptized first and then you can partake of the Lord's table, that's not to say that we don't come about this scripturally. For Jesus said in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm. You have both ordinances right there. Yep. The ordinances being baptism in the Lord's table. Mm -hmm. So first of all, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we have a Trinitarian baptism. Mm -hmm. And then teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Well, what did Jesus say to his disciples when he implemented the Lord's table? Do this in remembrance of me. Mm -hmm. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's Paul in 1 Corinthians 11. But but, but Jesus observing, teaching the disciples to observe this. Mm -hmm. So we have, first of all, in this order in the Great Commission, You baptize them, and then you teach them to observe. And if we go by Jesus's example, he was baptized first. Yes. And then implemented the Lord's table. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And again, it's Jesus' disciples who are there with him Mm -hmm. partaking of the Lord's table. So we show that we are a disciple, a follower of Christ first. And Mm -hmm. then as his disciples, then we're welcome to this table. Right. And so that is why a church, when they are, uh, when a church practices what we would call regenerate membership. So we recognize when a person wants to become a member of the church that they're truly born again. Mm -hmm. They have a confession and they show by their lives that they are a Christian. Mm -hmm. Then we would would say as a church, this person can partake of the Lord's table. This Mm -hmm. person's a Christian. Whenever uh, somebody is baptized, so say they come into the church, they say, I'm a new believer. I've never been baptized before. Great. We're baptized in the presence of the congregation. And then that person has made a testimonial act that they are a follower of Christ by their baptism, testifying, I've been buried with Christ, raised again to new life. Mm -hmm. And so now are part of this church that they may partake in the Lord's table. Yeah. And, and that's why we put it in that order. Uh, the Apostle Paul also saying in 1 Corinthians 11, not to partake in the table in an unworthy manner. Right. Because then you eat and drink judgment on yourself. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that we verify that a person is not eating and drinking judgment on themselves is because they've made a statement, a, a testimony mm-hmm. in the presence of many witnesses that they are a follower, a believer of Christ. Right. So that's the biblical argument for why you would be baptized before you partake in the Lord's table. Mm -hmm. And then I said you can also verify this traditionally as well. Looking back over church history, Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's anybody in any time or place in the history of the church for 2,000 years that has ever put the Lord's table before baptism. Traditionally in the history of the church. Yeah. I mean, unless recently they've gone lax and, you know... Don't care. I mean, I'm sure there's some Which out there who, first? yeah, they yeah. think they think that by partaking the Lord's table that they're doing something salvific. Right. Or doing something cleansing. Right. And have never actually committed themselves to following Christ by baptism. Right. So in which case, are they really saved? Are they eating and drinking judgment on themselves? But is that something that like a denomination or a church has declared or a person has made a personal decision to do it that way? You know right. what I mean? Or or maybe that they, they only have baptism at certain times of the year. So they go ahead and partake in the supper. Yeah, something you know? like that. Right. Maybe, right. I don't know. But as far as like confession and practice go in the history of the church, mm-hmm. 
it's always been baptized. Right. And now you may partake of the Lord's table. Yeah. That's true. Even whenever they were baptizing in the lakes and <laughs> rivers and. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, how long have we had baptismals? You yeah, know? that's true. I know that there have been like ancient uh, uh, churches that have been unearthed and they had baptismal fonts in there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool to see. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Because I remember there being a joke about, look at this baptismal font. This was not Presbyterian because it was like this big, deep tub. <laughs> These people were dunked in this thing. This thing's huge. They were buried. Yeah, right. They really got submersed in this. This wasn't, uh, it wasn't a Presbyterian baptism. Anyway, well, thank you for your question, Daryl. I hope that's helpful for you. This next one kind of has to do with the Lord's table a little bit. Nathan says, hey, brother. I appreciate your response to Sam Storm's articles about the documentary Cessationist. I personally love the doc, but I have to admit there were a few of Storm's arguments I found compelling. I wasn't convinced by them necessarily, but I thought they were worthy objections. I'll ask about one which you addressed, and then I have a request. In the documentary, it is said that after 1 Corinthians, there is no further mention of any miraculous signs. In the pastoral letters especially, there is no instruction concerning the exercise of miraculous gifts. Storms objected to this and said this is an argument from silence. There is also no mention of the practice of the Lord's Supper after 1 Corinthians. So are we to assume the practice of the Lord's table should also come to an end? That argument makes sense to me. Not that I'm convinced of continuism, but it weakens the cessationist argument from silence about miracles not being mentioned again after 1 Corinthians. As for my request, is there a way that you could put into writing, like on your blog, some of the objections you raised against Sam Storms? I understand doing a multi-part response, but if there was a way to get it all in one place so that I could share it with others, I would appreciate it. Thank you for all that you do. Well, once again, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 concerning the proper practice of the Lord's table. He says, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Verse 26 for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So there's the statement concerning the proper practice of the Lord's table that it will continue until, until Christ returns. Yes. Jesus had said in the implementation of that table in, in uh, uh, Matthew chapter 26, after he passes the cup, he says, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. So Jesus makes a statement there too, regarding the proper practice of the Lord's table, that it's something they're going to do in remembrance of Christ and will do it until they come into the father's kingdom. Mm. You have the testimony of Jesus saying that you have Paul saying that in first Corinthians 11. But there's no statement like that concerning spiritual gifts, especially the miraculous sign gifts, unless you wanted to say that 1 Corinthians 13.8 is in reference to that. So 1 Corinthians 13.8 says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So it could be argued that there in 1 Corinthians 13, that Paul is saying that we will continue these spiritual gifts until the Lord returns. I agree with that to an extent. Paul doesn't actually mention miraculous signs there. Right. With the exception of, of tongues. Mm. But tongues 
that's one of the easiest signs to verify or disprove. Right. Either they're speaking other human languages that they did not previously know, or mm. they're not. If right. they're speaking gibberish, it's not the Holy Spirit. It is not a miraculous gift. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so even if you wanted to argue that that passage is saying we will continue in this gifts and uh, these gifts until the Lord comes, fine, I'll give you that. But you're still not going to demonstrate for me somebody who's genuinely speaking in tongues. Yeah, it doesn't happen. So. As for prophecies we have in Scripture, as for knowledge, it will pass away. The knowledge we glean, we gain from Scripture. So God has given us his word that we may read it now and grow according to that word. It's by that word that we're saved. It's by that word that we're sanctified. Mm -hmm. But then a day is going to come when we're going to be with the Lord. We won't have Bibles anymore. Right. We're with him forever in his glorious kingdom. And we'll know everything. So they want to know. Right. When it, whenever they use that verse to talk about how these miraculous sign gifts will continue until the Lord comes, they seem to only focus on the tongues part. Yeah. <laughs> the, there's other gifts out there. Right. There's other spiritual lots, gifts. Yes. Gifts. And I absolutely affirm, even as a cessationist, that spiritual gifts are still at work in the church today. Oh, yeah, for sure. A cessationist is not saying that there are no spiritual gifts. They're just saying that those miraculous gifts were used for a particular purpose and they don't continue. Yeah. But I have... The apostle appointed miraculous gifts. Yes. Yes. I think I I can say this humbly. I can say this without puffing myself up, but I have the gift of teaching. Mm -hmm. A pastor has to have the gift of teaching. Yeah. And that is a spiritual gift. It's something that the Spirit has given that person that ability to be able to do to to teach a church that they may learn the word of God and grow together according to that word. Mm -hmm. Growing into the head who is Christ is said in Ephesians 4. And it's also said there in Ephesians 4.11 that God gave pastors as a gift to the church Mm -hmm. to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we're all called to the work of ministry. The pastor has that job and that gifting of teaching God's word to God's people so that we may know how we honor the Lord in the way that we live. Mm-hmm. What is God's will? How do we live according to that will? So uh, so anyway, that's my response to your question. It's a good question, a good clarifying question, uh, Nathan. And uh, yeah, again, I would just say Christ and Paul both said the Lord's table is going to continue until Christ returns. But we don't have a statement like that about those miraculous gifts. In fact, uh, Hebrews 2 is is one of those that I have cited most frequently with regards to what, like, like, how do we know what the usage of the miraculous signs was for and is it still continuing today? Hebrews 2, beginning in verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us. By those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So we see there how the miraculous signs and wonders were used to verify that the message of salvation that was being delivered was a word that came from God. Mm -hmm. This was not the device or the invention of any man. Right. It was God's word. Or made up God. Yeah, right. <laughs> because <laughs> which is an invention of man. <laughs> yeah. Well, because the Jews wanted to accuse Paul of that. Yeah. They're saying uh, yeah. you know, he's saying follow this Jesus mm-hmm. and he's throwing out the law. Saying you don't have to follow the law anymore cuz you're saved by grace. Right. Which Paul responded to in Romans 3 by saying, "Do we overthrow the law? By no means. Oh. On the contrary, we uphold yeah. the law." And in 1 Timothy 3:8 to Timothy or first Timothy one, eight saying that we know the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Uh-huh. So by no means did Paul say that we don't follow the law anymore or, or, you know, in, in response to the Jews who were saying he's telling us to follow this Jesus who even uh, in Jewish writings today will say that Jesus was a false prophet. Mm. He is not really the Messiah. Yeah. Who is to come? The uh, the Orthodox Jews reject Christ as the Messiah. They still think they're looking for another one. But the word of God has already been verified through those miraculous signs. We have it in Scripture. We don't need any further miraculous signs to right. verify this truth. Right. Because we have it in recording. That's like right. It's, it's recorded. 
Yeah, that's uh, there's been a there was a quote from J.I. Packer. This was J.I. Packer teaching on something that John Owen said. Okay. If private revelations agree with scripture, they are needless. And if they disagree, they are false. Hmm. And Martin Luther said that he didn't he didn't even want a sign from heaven or an angel or anything else. I have covenanted with my God that his word is enough. Yeah. He had the scriptures. Why did he need some sort of special revelation? Right. To verify to him that these things were true. We have the Holy Spirit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And his don't, word is sufficient. Exactly. Don't neglect that work of the spirit. Mm-hmm. For it said in 1 Corinthians 2 that it's the spirit who discloses the things of God. Yes. The natural man cannot understand these things because they're spiritually discerned. Yeah. But the person who has the Holy Spirit is able to discern these spiritual things. That's a work of the Holy Spirit, that you look into the word of God and you are able to, you know that it is God's word. Mm-hmm. And you're able to discern God's will for you according to this word because the spirit is the one who illuminates yeah. this for us. True. You can read your Bible and understand it (laughs) (laughs) because the Holy Spirit has made you to understand it. Yes. Last question we have here. This one is from Jake. Hi, Pastor Gabe and Becky. I hope I spelled Becky right. I had to Google to make sure. (laughs) I'm sure. uh, (laughs) I'm sure Becky appreciates she can be found on Google. Uh, We can Google your name, babe. And uh, know how it's spelled. First off, I love your ministry. I do appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I love your ministry. I started with the videos. And then when you came on the podcast, I started listening and haven't missed one yet. So thank you for your ministry Aww. and service to the gospel. That's awesome. That is, uh, that, that's awesome, Jake. I appreciate that. Yeah. So when we started the videos, that was, um, that was a year before, a year and a half before we started the podcast. Yes. So we were doing the videos for a year and a half and then decided to throw a podcast in there with it. By the way, we're coming up on 10 years of the short videos. Crazy. That's in April. Oh, man. That's really quick. Yes. Coming up. Okay. 10 years. That's awesome. I'm not going to do any like big fanfare thing for it because who cares? But the... (laughs) (laughs) I do want to throw together like, uh, oh, I want to put... Two, two videos in particular. So, you know, sometimes I'll do the top 10 videos. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I want to do the first 10 what videos? The first 10 90-second videos. Okay. So I'll do one video that has all 10 of those together. Mm-hmm. And then number two, I want to do one that's um, the uh, top 10 most watched. Okay. So in the first 10 years, which videos have been seen the most? That'd be awesome. Those are two that I want to do. So keep watching your favorites. That's right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you have until April. Well, probably probably March, huh? Yeah. So you can get it done for we go, April? We'll, we'll do something on the podcast for it. Like, uh, oh, I know one thing that I want to do. Oh, I want cupcakes. You want cupcakes? You can, you can make some cupcakes. <laughs> I've never made cupcakes. I'll make muffins. I can make breakfast muffins. I can do that. <laughs> You can't die on me. Oh my goodness! Before we get to ten years. <laughs> uh, hey, if the Lord calls me, He calls me. <laughs> you want some of my tea? This no, my, my peach good. tea. I'm good, thank you. Though. What was I? Uh, what was I talking about? Okay, ten years. So we're gonna something. do something on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've talked about doing this before. I think I've been talking about doing this for years. But doing the lost it's possible, the lost what videos. <laughs> The lost? Yeah, the lost one. So there's been videos that we've had on the channel that we've oh, taken down. Yeah. So what happened to those videos? Who knows? We do an episode dedicated do, do, do. to <laughs> the lost what videos. Yeah, Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> They've ended up there. If you hit that time warp in the Bermuda Triangle, there's the lost what videos playing around you. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so bizarre. Suddenly we've gone into like... Uh, cultish or uh the haunted Sci-fi. cosmos yeah it's the twilight zone <laughs> all right anyway i haven't even gotten through jake's email no, here you haven't <laughs> my question is about preterism i have heard rc sproul's explanation of this on renewing your mind a few times and how he was a partial preterist i think i understand the concept that partial preterism suggests that some of the prophecies in the bible have already been fulfilled and that others have yet to be the big one being the return of Christ. Is that correct? 
I've been seeing a Facebook friend's post about preterism and how he is a preterist and how Christ isn't returning and how he already did. I don't seem uh, or it doesn't seem right to me from a biblical standpoint, but I can't cite scripture exactly to prove otherwise. Can you provide some clarification? Blessings to you and your family. Yeah, and preterism will go through various periods where it becomes more popular. Mm. And right now we're kind of at that place where preterism is gaining some popularity again. Oh, yeah. The ebbs and flows. Yeah. So anyway, the idea of preterism is that all biblical prophecy has been completely fulfilled. And even the second coming, the judgment of Satan, the kingdom of God, if... If you have heard a preacher refer to the days in which we currently live as the new heavens and the new earth, like they will say we're in the new heavens and new earth. What? Yeah. I hope not. They're a full preterist. Oh, man. Because they believe all those prophetic elements have already been fulfilled. No, 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 no. And that we're presently living in the new heavens and the new earth. No. But if you go to if you go to what Peter actually said about that in Second Peter chapter three, I, I think what Peter says pretty well puts to rest any any idea that we could currently be living in the new heavens and the new earth. So in Second Peter chapter three, he says that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. Wow, you can see that happening. All over the place right now. Yeah. We're in the last days. Scoffers come with their scoffing. You don't even have to leave your house to see it <laughs> yeah. online. And Pull it up online. TV. Following their own sinful desires. You see it, people in your family, yeah. friends, and so on and so forth. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. That's where I'm thinking, like, where was the fire? Has that, that happened that consumed yet? consumed everything like the flood consumed everything. We still have ungodly all around us. And that, I mean. The judgment of the ungodly has not yet come. And so Peter goes on to say, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So here's my question. Why would Peter say that? If the return of Christ was right around the corner, it was just a few years away from him writing this letter because the preterists, the full preterists will say that Christ returned in 70 AD. All of the prophecies and everything were fulfilled with the destruction of the temple and uh, and the Romans breaching the walls of Jerusalem in 70 AD. That was the fulfillment of all those prophetic signs. Christ even came back. He was even seen in the clouds coming back with his heavenly armies at the the Jewish-Roman War. Okay. So why would Peter say that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day if that was happening just a few days away or, or a few years away? <laughs> like it was right around the corner. Christ coming back was right around the corner, but he makes the statement about one day is as a thousand years to the Lord. Because it'll feel like forever. Yeah. <laughs> In verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, Mm. but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So so they think that this is heaven. We're in the new earth, and the new heaven is where Christ is presently dwelling. But this is the new heavens and the new earth. That would be their statement. But I don't understand the, the chron- chronology. 
Is Chronological that... order? Yeah. That... Yes. Okay, that was the word that I was looking for. Yes. Okay. So I I just don't understand how how like okay where was the fire where was you know because we're supposed to be consumed by fire <laughs> yeah the whole world has not been consumed by fire not at all I mean praise the Lord he's been patient with us because which uh, is the way yeah and that's the way that Paul describes it too in Second Thessalonians chapter one with Christ coming back with his armies in flaming fire right Peter goes yeah, on to say in a way that we haven't experienced. Um, how, how was that worded? Like, um, and it's, it's not just fire. It's, it's, um, I don't know. There, there was a descriptive word and that I just read. I don't think so, but it maybe, oh, I don't know. Keep going. I, don't, <laughs> I lost. I, sorry, thought. love. I don't no, know. What sorry. I would help you out, but I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I was just, I was just thinking of the adjective that they used to describe the Bible uses to describe the fire. Of um, consuming, well, no, like, um, like it's it's not a fire that we're used to seeing. It won't be like just a fire fire. It's going to be like something holy fire, mm. <laughs> anyway. cleansing, cleansing fire. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. okay, anyway, going on. Verse fine. eleven. It's fine. I'll find it sometime. Since all these things are to thus be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Waiting. Now, righteousness. righteousness Yeah. Now, now righteousness does dwell here Mm -hmm. in the church. Sure. But we would not call this present earth that we live in righteous. Uh-uh. No. No, that is not a descriptive word that I would use <laughs> to describe the earth today. <laughs> new heavens and a new yeah. earth in which righteousness dwells sounds to me like there's going to be a heaven and an earth where it's just righteousness. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so the preterist believes, the full preterist believes that all of these things have already happened. They've already transpired. Christ has already returned. Well, then how does the Bible um, apply to their lives? I've had that. I've had that question before with people that I've encountered that were preterists. Yeah. Like, why do you have a Bible? They've straight like I had a guy straight up say to me that these letters that we read were for the first century church. Yeah. Because, I mean, they obviously don't think it applies anymore. Yeah, they don't. So what's the point of the Bible? You will hear from those, you know, they generally are a post, they're generally post-millennial in their eschatology. Okay. They're full preterists, believing that all these prophetic things have happened and come to fulfillment in 70 AD. Mm -hmm. And so you will hear from them largely philosophy. Like, it sounds a lot more like philosophy than it does sound like theology. Oh, okay. And a lot of their preaching will be more on the wisdom side of things than it will be. Like, like they're probably not going through epistles from Paul to the churches. They're probably going through wisdom books or doing something topical. Like, this is happening in the world right now. How should we be? Okay. So, so they will have this idea that we're taking dominion. And we're taking... They, they feel like we're taking dominion? Yeah, like we're we're taking dominion in the earth. I don't feel that at all. <laughs> and we're... Right. We're doing that through our families. We're doing that through our churches, through spreading the gospel, things of that. But we're, we're I mean, taking I dominion in the earth. I mean, I that, but I don't feel like that's... Yeah, occurring. sure. If more people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will see a transformation happen in the culture. Yeah. But that's a work that God does. Right. Like, as we look at America right now... Is God's intention to save America or judge it? Right. And that lies the question. That's not our decision. Ecclesiastes yeah. says, who can straighten what God has made crooked? Yeah. If he has, if he's sending America in a certain direction so that he can pour out his wrath upon it, then there's nothing that we can do, even by having a whole lot of kids, yeah. that's going to save America. Right. It's going to come into judgment. And that is, uh, you know, that's, that's according to God's will. So, we follow what Peter said here. What we should be following is what Peter said. How should you live in the present day? 
since all these things, since all the world, which is tangible, is going to come into destruction and will be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be living in lives of holiness and godliness? And that should be our greatest concern. If we can help out politically in those places and and, uh, pass political laws that would be a benefit to our neighbor. Those kinds of things are good for Christians to be involved in. I certainly don't oh, have yeah, for sure. I don't have the mentality that we're on a sinking ship, and so we're not supposed to be polishing the brass as the Titanic is going down. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. There is work for us to do, and in that work, we can testify to our Lord Christ and share the gospel right. in those things. And that's how it happens. Yeah, all of that is very good. I mean, uh, like our our part of the the Lord's work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's nothing that says that we're we're going to redeem the culture. Right. No. I mean, it could be that we, we keep getting suppressed kind of thing, you know, like because that would be the Lord's will. But we're su- we're still supposed to. Yeah. Peter's regardless. letters, Peter's yeah. letters, especially first and second Peter. These are suffering letters. <clears throat> right. So he's talking about the suffering that we will go through. Mm-hmm. And I uh, I've said to somebody, too, that was uh, they were a reconstructionist they were a full preterist i said well what about what jesus says in matthew chapter 7 enter through the narrow gate for broad is the way that leads to destruction and many find that because that's the easy way but narrow is the way that leads to life and few will find it so jesus is saying there that most people are going to their destruction mm-hmm. and few are finding the narrow road because, uh, uh, you know, like I said about a, a post-millennial reconstructionist, believes that eventually the world is becoming more and more Christianized. Mm. And so by the time that Christ returns, the majority of the world will actually be Christian. And so I've said, so so you would say that at some point, Jesus' words there have no application because the broad way would actually be yeah. the way to eternal life. <laughs> right. So I asked him uh, that question and he said, he just simply said, it just won't apply in that day. It applied in the time in which Jesus said those things, but it doesn't apply right. in the day that the world becomes mostly Christianized. Of course. Which is why I was wondering about, you know, why do they even have the Bible? But I guess if they're using it for the wisdom books and stuff like that, then I can kind of see that. But that's just still odd to me. They will still say that scripture is sufficient. They'll still make statements about sola scriptura. Well, because sola gratia, was, sola fide, it was sufficient. You know, like it was everything. Well, it does. It does kind of seem to have. They do seem to kind of have that attitude about it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That we now have been endowed with enough wisdom that we can philosophize about these things, and I don't hear the scriptures taught as much hmm. in those regards from from that camp. Yeah, if you will. Okay. Now, now, preterism. This is preterism. And I, and I hope uh, already, uh, sorry, I missed the name on here again. I got to go back to it. Da, 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 da. Jake. Okay. So I hope, Jake, that I've given you enough. Second Peter chapter three is a good chapter to go to in response to those who are talking about preterism. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, the preterist is, they got a pretty good handle on Matthew 24. And so I wouldn't argue over Matthew 24. Okay. But second Peter three is a good place to go. <laughs> First Thessalonians four uh, and five, you know, read those as well, where Paul talks about the second coming of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was I going to say? I was going to say something else. So there's your scripture. Oh, yeah. Preterism. So full preterism is that idea that all those things have already been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But there's also partial preterism, which Jake said R.C. Sproul was. Mm-hmm. Partial preterism is the understanding that some of those things have come to fulfillment, but not all of them. And even those things that have come to fulfillment have probably been fulfilled on a local, sort of a local kind of a level. Whereas the full fulfillment of those things has yet to come. It's not yet happened on a global scale. So like what Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 24 with the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem certainly happened. That's what Jesus was talking about. And it happened on that level with the destruction of the temple. But that could also be something prophetic pointing to something that is going to happen on a much larger scale mm. later on in the future. <clears throat> I I cannot wrap my mind around the concept that Matthew 24 is not about the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. There are some that believe that that's not what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about his second coming. That's that's coming later in the future. 
I, I don't get that because that wasn't the question that Jesus asked his, or, or yeah. that You don't get what? I don't get how they can say that Matthew 24 is about his second coming thousands of years later. Oh, I see. It's clear what he's talking about. It's very evident that he's talking about the destruction of the temple. That's mm-hmm. what he's telling his disciples about. And that's not preterist to say that. Now, there are other things there in Matthew 24 that do pertain to his second coming. But the question he's immediately responding to regarding his disciples, what his disciples asked him, mm-hmm. it's about the destruction of the temple. You know, that is not a preterist statement to say that. That's the context of Matthew 24. We're going to get to that because right now I just finished up Matthew 16. So we're getting there. <laughs> we'll talk about these uh, this controversial chapter that is in Matthew, Matthew uh, the, the chapters 24 and 25, the Olivet Discourse. Yeah. Um, but still, you can you can read there that Jesus is talking about the destruction of the temple and still think that has a prophetic significance to something that's going to happen later in the future. Mm-hmm. That's a good example of partial preterism. Okay. So you believe that the things there that Jesus talks about did come to fulfillment and yet points to something greater that's going to happen down the road. Mm-hmm. And that's really uh, amillennialism, which is the camp that I fall into eschatologically. <laughs> <laughs> there are there are going to be these various stages in which things that we read about, especially in the book of Revelation, it's going to look like those things are coming to fulfillment now. Yeah. But it's it's uh, recursive. It's uh, recapitulation is the other word for it. So John will see things happen from one vantage point, then he'll see it happen from a different vantage point, then he sees it happen again from a different vantage point. He's oh, see. basically seeing the same events take place three different times. Gotcha. And so that also is kind of the same sort of a way that we see those things come to fulfillment that are being prophesied about in Revelation. Mm-hmm. There's going to be times in the world in which people are going to feel like boy, I think I've read about this in Revelation, Mm -hmm. but it's still pointing to something ultimate that's coming down the road that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So that's that's partial preterism. The difference between preterism and partial preterism. I don't get the preterism view, uh, but, you know, people have called me a partial preterist. I'm not offended by that. And then, of course, R.C. Sproul had to find himself that way. Yeah. So don't confuse the two. Because there's there's actually a vast difference between preterism and partial preterism. Yeah. Man, I just, I can't wrap my head around, you know, like, Jesus has already come. So. Yeah. So we're we're done. You know, <laughs> we should be all in heaven and with our heavenly bodies. Yeah. So why, why, why are we still? I mean, it's new heavens and new earth. This is a terrible new heavens and new earth. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of sounds like an argument that somebody makes who's. Living, you're you're living a pretty comfortable lifestyle. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be cushy in some sort of way. <laughs> oh man, there's going to be other people in other parts of the world that are going really. Yeah, this no, is the new heavens show. and the new earth. You got to be kidding me. Yeah. So anyway, all right, that's uh, that's it. I think that's did a I finish? Wrap? Yep. Okay. Oh yeah, there's one other thing that I wanted to mention. All right. If you could go to our, what would it be, iTunes page, iPod page? I don't know. However the podcast comes up on iTunes. Okay. Is there even an iTunes anymore? Apple. Yeah, Apple. (laughs) The Apple podcast page, whatever it is. So go look up when we understand the text. Leave us reviews. We haven't had a review on there in quite a while. It's It's been many months. So we still have very favorable reviews. We're over like four star average or something like that. Nice. But if you would write some more reviews for us, we would appreciate that. If you love the program, that helps people to find us. Yeah, it does. Puts us high up in the ranking of like the category of Christianity or religion and, and spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Those two categories are, are where you find our podcast. So it keeps us kind of high up on the recommendations if we have <clears throat> reviews coming in and, and, you know, five stars. Yeah. So if you do that for us, we would appreciate it. When we get to the end Definitely. of the end of the year, which is just a month away now, oh, seems man, like it's crazy. We'll read some of those reviews that we've gotten this year. Awesome. That sounds like a great plan. Yeah. All right. That's it. You got anything to add, babe? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I pretty much said everything that was on my mind. Okay. So. <laughs> now I'm really wanting some chocolate cake, though. <laughs> what did we say that had to do with chocolate cake? Cupcakes. Oh, gotcha. My, All right. My brain keeps going. Ever since then, <laughs> which was what, 15, 20 minutes ago? 
probably was further than that. (laughs) And you're still on cupcakes. I am. All right, let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we've read here today out of your word. And I pray that we would be encouraged from the scriptures, knowing that we have peace. We can lie down in safety for our Lord sustains us. Knowing that you hold all things in your hand, you are sovereign, you reign over all, and you have promised that you are going to judge the unrighteous and deliver the righteous. And we look forward to that day when we can join you forever in our God's heavenly kingdom. We, uh, we ask that your gospel would go forth. We pray that there are many others who would come to saving faith in Jesus Christ knowing that he died on the cross for sins, rose again from the dead, ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of God, and is coming back again to judge the living and the dead. All who believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life with God. And give us boldness in this present day that we may go out with that gospel message. For it is only by hearing the word of the gospel that the lost come to faith in Christ and are saved. Work out in us uh, our salvation with fear and trembling that we look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. It's in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ. Ooh, in God's Word, sorry. Yeah, you better get that right. Mm. Not the Word of Christ, but God's Word. God's Word. (laughs) That would have been fine. You could have kept going. I know, but it drives me crazy, and then I'll keep staring at that instead of reading the words. So, (laughs) it's a thing. Yep. Ain't nothing but a thing. Mm. This is when we understand the text, a daily Bible study in the world. Did it again. <laughs> I didn't know you were that committed to word of Christ. <laughs> I am. Apparently. <laughs> you do it so much. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In God's I'll word. remember that for in next God's time. Word. <laughs> God's word and God's word. <clears throat> This is when we understand the text, a daily Bible study in God's word. For he has exalted above all things his name and his word. Psalm 138.2 Tell all your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome.